Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We're all extremely impressed with with Yuri. Um, I think that it's a... It's just a byproduct of the work he's been putting in all season, especially in the second half of the season. Not that he didn't work in the first half of the season, he did, but his habits, the maturity to his game, competing for the puck, those things started to take off. Anders Hartford's own pass in front, moving it to Leek. Backhander, he scores! Up top, now in front of Rishon, they score! The youngster, Yuri Kalik! Covered again, now the Emerson take it right back. Pulled up ice, quick shot, they score! Guess who it is? And right side, one ten shot, they score! Moving in a shot, they score! A great feed right there! Thank you for your fans, so for everyone, so yeah. Well, thank you and congratulations to Yuri Kulik, who has been named to the 2022-2023 inaugural AHL Top Prospects team. Um, thinking of that, we decided let's bring our top prospect here at Sabres.com, Jordan LaBarber. He's filling in for Duffer today. I'm Marty Baran here on Sabres Live. Good afternoon, everyone. Jordan, Yuri Kulik. Um is this something we should maybe get a plaque, a trophy, or should the inaugural AHL top prospect team be just a nice something, but you put that in your uh, sock drawer? Um, I think it's something that should be celebrated, but I think he's got more in his future. We'll say that. Uh, it's it's a nice little nod. It's made a new distinction made to recognize the top future AHL, NHL players in the AHL. I certainly think Yuri fits the bill there. Um, so let's not put it in the sock drawer, but let's give him a little medal or something. Okay, so last year, Jack Quinn was Rookie of the Year, and he and J.J. Paterka were battling all the way down the season in the AHL with the Rochester Americans, and maybe that's something that uh, Quinn can look over to J.J. and say, well, I got Rookie of the Year in the AHL. J.J. could say, well, I was top uh, forward at the World Championship this year. There's competition there. Who, alongside Yuri Kulik, is going to be that competitive competition for like let's get up to buffalo is it matt savoy is it rusek when you saw them play in the playoffs and obviously you've watched some of their accomplishments this season which one is more likely to be the jack win jj paterka combo with your kulik 
coming into this offseason? Well, I think Isaac Rosanne is the is the natural answer. Ooh. The fact that they they spent the year together, and you even read some of the things like the they kind of trash talk each other in a friendly, competitive way. You know, <laughs> they they have that friendship that Jack and JJ had last year, and uh, and just that that parallel between the two of them spending their rookie years together. They both got better as it went on. They both had success in the playoffs. Um, so so it's interesting. Uh, and then you have the older prospects. So you have uh, Rusek, you have yeah. Weisbach, you have Byro. So there is a lot of competition for what looks to be uh, limited spots in the near future, but certainly promising in, in the as we look further ahead. Well, we are going to talk also about game three that is tonight between the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. The combine is going on right now uh, at Lecom Harbor Center. The goalie conversation we had yesterday and we got great response on social media when it comes to, hey, you know, fill in the blank. Uh, which name are you more excited about if you were thinking about the Sabres crease? We'll get to that. But the big question. Now that Cooley got this award, let's let's put it in like, you know, quotation bunny ears, an award, AHL top prospects team. Um, is Yuri Kulik on your opening night roster next year with the Buffalo Sabres? So I, I gave us a lot of thought, and I'm sure most people know you have right now the way the way the roster is constructed, and you know, we have free agency ahead, you have potential trades, whatever. But right now you're returning 11 regular forwards who are under contract today. All right. And a lot of those guys are young, just like Yuri is. A lot of those guys are future long-term pieces. You have one UFA in Zemgis Gergensens. You have one RFA in Tyson Jost. If you did bring them both back, you're at 13. So you start to see, okay, it's not easy to find a spot for, for Yuri Kulik. Now, the caveat there is you could make that same argument at this time last year when you were looking at J.J. Paterka and Jack Quinn. And the message from the organization all along was, we're not going to block these guys. You know, if they earn it, they'll, they'll get their spot. I definitely think that'll be that Yuri will have that same opportunity. Now, the one... Another caveat is he's going to be 19 all season next year. He's yes. a year younger than Jack and JJ were, which makes it more remarkable the success he had at the HL. But also you, you could make the argument to give him more time to let him have another year to develop, especially if there is that log jam. When you ask him about opening night, given all of that, I may be inclined to say no, unless he really wows at training camp. But when you ask me if we're going to see him in the NHL next season, I would certainly say yes. Yeah, I think that's uh, would be being cautious, being prudent, right? Saying, okay, mm -hmm. um, let's see what happens this summer. Um, if there is any trades, are we seeing maybe a Victor Olsen on the move? Are we seeing a Casey Milstad on the move? Are we seeing something even bigger happening? How does the top six and the bottom six shape up? Where do you see Peyton Krebs? How does he fit moving forward? Is he on the wing? Is he a fourth line center? Is he a third line center? Where do you see all of that happening? Um, you're right about Zemgis Gergensen's obviously being a UFA, but having such a uh, leadership role with this team, kind of like Caloposo coming back from one more season. How does Zemgis's future fits in with the team? 
But I think the biggest and maybe most intriguing question mark is Tyson Jost, knowing that he is an RFA and has arbitration rights. So what is the money? that you could pay Tyson Jost because his qualifying offer is $2.25 million. And, you know, he could probably get up to 2.7, 2.8, maybe $3 million in on arbitration over a one-year deal. So uh, where do you feel comfortable with Tyson Jost? And if you think the Sabres will even qualify him because that opens the door to arbitration. We saw that um, a couple of years ago when they didn't qualify um, – I forget his name, but they brought him in for just uh, on a trade and uh, they didn't qualify him. But it happens, right? Teams don't qualify because they don't want to open the door to arbitration. Do you think that is an avenue maybe the Sabres would take with Tyson Jost? Or, yeah, Cahoon was the guy. Thank you, producer Jeff, with the rescue here on the uh, the chat function. But uh, Cahoon didn't get qualified. So do you think Tyson Jost is in the same boat? Or would you definitely bring back Tyson Jost with this roster and the prospect coming in? Well, I think the the Sabres cap situation puts them in a position where if it's a short-term deal, you're able to overspend if you see the the fit and the potential, which is the reason that Tyson Jones was brought in in the first place was they saw an immediate fit with the potential to further develop the offensive game in the future. So if you still believe that, then your your cap situation allows you to spend whatever whatever that takes if it's a short term deal, which I imagine it would be. Yeah, I would imagine it would be as well. Either a qualifying offer, like I said, at two and a quarter million, or maybe you go to arbitration. He gets a little bit of a a bump from that. He did have seven goals and fifteen assists, twenty two points in fifty nine games with the Sabers last year. It's not bad. Like if he was here and you keep that same pace over eighty two games. You're getting into the 35-point range. I mean, for a guy that plays limited minutes, maybe fourth line, and kills penalties and is kind of a special a specialty player, utility player in that way, um, I think that's actually pretty good. So, uh, well, congratulations to Yuri Kulik on being named to the inaugural <laughs> AHL top prospect team. Um, you needed to be 22 and under, having played at least 36 games in the AHL, but not more than 30 games in the NHL. Like there was a lot of different criteria, but it was voted by AHL GM and uh, front office people at the AHL. So a nice award for Yuri Kulik, not one that he will uh, put on his mental, but you know, maybe, maybe, I mean, we never know. So, uh, okay, let's move on. Game three. Of the I, mm. I hate these two games break two days break by the way like they played <laughs> Saturday Monday and mm. I know people are saying you got to get from Vegas to Florida and the travel and it should be every other night right but last night the NBA was you know in the spotlight mm. so the NHL doesn't want to go against the NBA but game three is tonight the Florida Panthers are in a big hole two and zero oh. and let me I don't know if you're a uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, history buff, and you like these numbers, but th- of the teams that have gone up three and oh, like this is how important the game tonight is. Mm-hmm. If if a team goes up three and oh in the Stanley Cup finals, 28 teams have gone up three and oh in the Stanley Cup finals, 27 and one. 27. Yeah. Remember the 1942 Leafs that came back from 03. <laughs> it's one of the only four Look teams, right? But mm-hmm. 
The 42 Leafs came back from down 3 nothing to the Detroit Red Wings and came back to win. The first time to ever do so. 27-1 and one, if yeah. you go up 3 nothing, Is this, as Matthew Kachuk said, the biggest game of the Florida mm-hmm. Panthers season? I hate the cliche, but the numbers don't <laughs> lie, Jordan. The biggest game of the Florida Panthers history, you could argue. I mean, it's their second Stanley Cup final, and it's it's that's all on the line. I'll throw a number back at you. Teams that have gone up 2-0, winning both games at home, have won 92.7% of the time in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. So I'll ask you, is this still a series? I, I, I like that you're asking me questions. Uh, you feel <laughs> comfortable to just throw it right back at me. I love that. Um, yes, it is. It, it is still a series. Um, I think that the Florida Panthers were not really good. They were good in game one. And if Nick Cousins scores a minute mm-hmm. into ga- uh, period two in game one, when Aiden Hill made the paddle save, uh, mm-hmm. it could be a big difference, right? Game two, Florida was not there. The adrenaline after nine days off, and then you play game one, and it all came down settling, and the Vegas Golden Knights were the better team. They were the only team on the ice in game two. But Florida is going back home. Um, they had a couple of days to regroup. And Sergei Bobrovsky is always that wild card that mm-hmm. if he decides to turn it on, which he has against Carolina, which he did against Toronto, which he did uh, a little bit to a lesser extent against Boston, uh, and Florida has proven that they can come back in series like they did against Boston in the first round. I think this is still a series. But I do feel that Florida needs to change the way they play. They can't take all these penalties, these 10-minute misconducts. They can't give Vegas seven power plays and think that they're going to be able to uh, move on from that, right? So (laughs) it's still a series. And even if they went down 3-0, I still would think that it is possibly a series. Um, I did pick Vegas to win in five, by the way, Jordan. So I think it was going to be a quick one. But, Uh I mean, for me, you know, Vegas, Jack Eichel, uh, you know, Chandler Stevenson, uh, mm-hmm. Mark Stone, Petrangelo, like they've all been better than anybody else on Florida's side. So who on Florida needs to step up? Like, is it just Matthew Kachuk and Sager Bobrovsky or do you need a, a, a few more people to step up? I don't know. I th- I think it's a team effort. Like like you said, the, the, the physicality, and I guess that starts with Kachuk, but Paul Maurice said this morning, like they're trying to be overly physical. And maybe more physical than the series needs to be. And maybe they're trying to, as part of that's being the road team and trying to set the tone. Um, but there is something about this Florida team. And, and I was thought back to it this morning. Think about how this run started. It was 3-1 against Boston. And they lose, They win game five. And they're in the Boston locker room. And Matt Kachuk says, get used to this room. We're going to be back here for game seven mm-hmm. on camera. And then they put it out on social media. And I'm thinking you're giving the T the most, the winningest regular season team in NHL history, bulletin board material publicly. And then they came out and they backed it up. So when I hear him say things like that, like, you know, hopefully Vegas is getting comfortable. I, I So there's something about this Florida team that makes me think they'll, they'll be able to get back into it. And like you said, game one was close. It was 2-2 in the third period. And, you know, before the go-ahead goal, I remember the Eichel line was pretty much pinned in the D zone before that rush chance came against. And and that's probably one of the keys moving forward is how do you limit Vegas on the rush? 
because it seems like they've been getting a lot of offense that way. It was weird because um, in the first three rounds, I felt like Vegas was, um, they were creating on the rush, but again, I felt that um, they were chipping pucks in. They were going on the four check. They were using the fort line of Carrier and Colasar to really get in and, and create that, um, that disruption right on the four check. Mm -hmm. and, and it worked. And now against Florida, Again, maybe it comes to what Paul Maurice said. Like the Vegas Golden Knights are not playing as physical as they had against the Dallas Stars and against the Oilers, right? They're just staying in their lane and playing the game. And Florida Panthers are trying to play a physical brand of hockey with not having anybody at the other end that's that that's wanting to punch you back, that's wanting to hit you back. Now, Florida's also having a Brendan Montour now that's gone 10 games without a point. Like, mm -hmm. This season, three games without a point is the most that Montour went. And he he had a fantastic season. Now, we know that they had a baby between game one and game two. He flew from Vegas to Florida, came back to Vegas from game two. Uh, he said he hasn't had a lot of sleep, but, but his talent, and he's had chances. So you've got Montour, no points in 10. You've got no Etsu Lusterainen. And and that's a big missing piece up front. They're running with 11 fours and 7D now. And Radko mm -hmm. Gudis, who is going to be in game three, but left game one with a lower body injury, looked like he left game two with an upper body injury. Um, is Florida running out of their their players, their their big game players that were making an impact before? trying to support Kachuk. Like those guys are a big part of what the Florida Panthers totally. have been doing. Well, I'd imagine Gudis coming back should have a, have a positive impact. Like obviously you lose a loss to rain and that's, that's tough. But the thing about Florida, they are a deep team and, and maybe it does come down to the goaltending. Aiden Hill has a 937 save percentage mm -hmm. in the playoffs, which is unbelievable. And he remained Florida has outchanced them, but statistically, I, I mean, you can argue about the quality of the chances, but statistically, Florida leads in everything through two games. Um, Bob Brofsky allowed four goals on 13 shots. Obviously, not totally his fault, but can, like you said, can he get back to that level? Florida's got a deep team around him. Can they simplify? Can they take advantage of home ice? Can, can Bob get back to his level? And can they beat Hill? I don't know. <laughs> That's the well, question. Aiden Hill is feeling it. He's feeling it not just on the ice, but he seems comfortable talking to the media off the ice. He's given in both games now. He's had a little bit of a uh, a pushback. One with Matthew Kachuk in game two, where he gave him the slashing, and they went back and forth. In game one was Nick Cousins that went and pushed Aiden Hill. He got into it a little bit and backed up. So he's been doing it, uh, you know, on and off the ice, stopping pucks and punching guys like. I don't know. He's a big man. He can handle it. No changes for Vegas at the morning skate. Their line rushes, their 12 forward 6D, their goalies, all the same. Should Florida think of changing their forwards line? And the only thing I'm saying is that Sam Reinhart is on a third line and seems to be uh, not really doing anything. He did have a chance game one at 4-2. He almost scored on a breakaway. Um, but you have a Sam Reinhardt guy that's sitting on the third line. I'd probably like to see Sam on the top two lines, maybe in place of Nick Cousins, uh, and see if that works at home. Would you elevate Sam Reinhardt to a, a bigger role with the Florida Panthers? I mean, sure, you don't to nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I would make a change for Spark. Now you might see that 
within the game. Sometimes, you know, the coaches save save those moves within the game, try to lean toward um, dependability or consistency as the game starts. And then if you need it within the game, you do it. Uh, who would you move down? If you, question. Well, I think Nick Cousins may be a guy that you move down, although like he's been playing with Bennett and Kachuk. I just feel like they got to get a different look. Like Verhage, Barkov, and Duclair have been a line. Uh, maybe you, you put... Reinhardt with Barkov and Duclair, you put him on the left side. Um, he can play both wings. Maybe you put Verhage with Bennett and Kachok. Say, hey, let's try to give you guys some offense. But I, I feel like Florida needs a an injection of something. And right now, if they roll the same eleven D uh, forward and seven D and hope that it's going to change, I really don't see anything changes changing. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like maybe maybe it's Gudis. May I? I know he only, he yeah. only missed part of that game too. But um, like I said, there's just something about this. You know, Kyle Pozo said it. He was asked about Florida when he had his press conference, and he said they were playing playoff games with two months to go in the regular season because they were in the same situation the Sabers were in, and we remember that head-to-head game um, in in March where it felt like a game seven because neither team wanted to make a mistake. So can they lean on that, that experience? And, and can they pull one more rabbit out of the hat, I guess, as a team? I, well, I think they do. I don't know if they game. win the series, but. Well, it is a big game. You said the numbers when the home team wins the first two games of the Stanley cup finals, 92%, you said 91 and change. Uh, they win, they go on to win the series, a team that goes up three, nothing in the history of the Stanley cup finals have been 27 and one. The one lone exception was the Leafs in 1942, the first team to ever come back from a three, nothing deficit in the best of seven series. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty big game tonight, 8 PM on TNT. Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, I'll be sitting in front of my TV somewhere. I think I'm going out downtown. Maybe I'm going to meet up with, uh, with a few people from the NHL that came in and uh, going to catch it somewhere. Maybe uh, if you hit me up on Twitter, tell me what is a, a good place to catch an NHL game uh, downtown tonight, and I will follow follow with that. Also, on social media yesterday, we basically asked Jordan, the, uh, and we got great response, basically con- like concerning the uh, the goalies with the Buffalo Sabres, and it was a fill-in-the-blank uh, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, so fill in the blank was blank would be the name you would be excited for when it came to uh, adding potentially adding a goaltender with the Buffalo Sabres. Here's some of the name that came up. Jordan, get ready because there's a long list. <laughs> Connor Hellebuck, UC Soros, Jonas Corpicello, John Gibson, Antti Ranta, Freddie Anderson. And then you got the old stay with UPL and Devin Levi, right? Mm-hmm. Like there is a lot of names that are surfacing this summer. Carter Hart, we talked a little bit uh, about that yesterday. Um, If it was you, Mm -hmm. and I know you may think of what the Sabres would do, but if it was you, Jordan LaBarber, you're the (laughs) GM. You're in the Kevin Adams seat. What is your approach to decrease and goaltending looking ahead to the, you know, to training camp and to next season? Well, it's such a unique position because you have you have three goalies under contract, and two of them are, I mean, I don't know if you still call UPL a prospect, but you can. I mean, he's played enough games that he's got some NHL experience, but he's only 24, and he's going to be 24 all year next year. Um, and then Devin Levi only has, what did he play, seven games, five games? Uh, he ended up playing uh, in uh, seven games last year. Seven yes. games. 
And they were seven extremely promising games to yes. stack on top of years of promising play at literally every level he's been at. So what you have is a couple guys who you want to believe have a, a long-term future in the organization and maybe can push each other. And you have a veteran who could compete with them at camp. I mean, you could go with the three goalie rotation. I don't know if you would do that again, but, yeah. but, but one of them, could, but what could happen is you could go into camp with three and two of them are in spots. Um, I think if I were me, I, I would treat it the way I would treat any position. I'm, I'm looking for an up, if there's an obvious upgrade and the fit is right, I make it. If not, I have three goalies. I mean, they, the team brought in Eric Comrie a year ago uh, for a reason. He didn't have a ton of opportunity last year uh, to to play consistently, consistent minutes and get into a rhythm. Injuries came into the play, yeah, obviously. Injuries he started well and then got hurt and never gained that form again. Mm -hmm. um, and when I hear that list of names, I hear different ideas. I hear Hellebuck and Saros are elite NHL goalies. Yeah. Uh, Saros is, has two years control. I imagine he's going to cost a lot. And to give up a lot for a great goalie, it, it makes you better probably immediately, but you have Devin Levi, you have Lucan, and, you know, does that make sense? I'm not sure that makes sense. Hellebuck's a little different with the one-year team, one-year control that may be more of a rental situation. Maybe you give up less. I could see if you're like, I want to pair this guy who is a Vesna candidate perennially with Devin Levi for the year, get us into the playoffs. I see that making sense, but it's all about what is what does it cost? Well, let me ask you this, because it's this or that Thursday, and we do have Darren Drager coming in at 1230. Lots to talk about around the NHL. Um, this or that, Levi, Buffalo or Rochester next year to start the season? I say I say Buffalo. I, I okay. do. I, I don't it's never a sure thing. And and to put those expectations on him is tough because he's so young and so inexperienced, and it it would really be bucking the trend that not only the Sabres organization has set with goalies, but goalies around the league. But there is something about that kid and everyone who's watches him play and watches him talk to the media and talks to people who knows him that, that tells you he can be the guy, the kind of guy who can live up to that pressure. So I would say Buffalo, but not a sure thing. Okay. How about this? Uh, because we only have a couple of minutes here before our first break, this or that, or the other thing. Um, Comrie, Levi, UPL Levi or question mark Levi? Like what is your, where is your comfort level with either one of those options? To be honest, I, I, I am, I'm comfortable with going into camp with the three and whether it, I already said, I expect Devin to be here. I would imagine then it becomes down to who has the better camp between Eric Comrie and Uko Pekalukinen. And then you go from there. Um, you look. You look at. You look at potential for upgrades. I. I looked at the some numbers today. What do we got? High. De, high danger saber percentage. Sabres finished twentieth last year. Yeah. That's not great, but it was ahead of four playoff teams. Now they finished 29th in high danger shots against. Yeah, that's too many shots. So you're asking yourself, where does the improvement need to come from? Sure, it needs to come from coming goal, but you have young guys who maybe could improve on their own through development. 
Um, maybe the improvement year to year needs to be more in the defensive team game, which having finished uh, near the top of the league in scoring this year, you can start to devote some of your attention as a young team to those defensive improvements. I kind of like how you put it out. They developed their identity as a scoring team. Now they need to refine the identity as a team that can also defend and it's mm -hmm. going to help their goaltender. Maybe you go with the young guys and a little support in front of them is going to help uh, quickly because we got to go to a break here in 30 seconds. Uh, the combine is going on at Lecom Harbor Center. Uh, the big day at the combine is Saturday. Yeah. The fitness testing, and you will get to interview a bunch of them. So uh, tell us what's going to happen Saturday. And uh, yeah, that that looking forward to it, I'm sure. Saturday is one of the fun days of the, of the hockey year. You get to meet about 100 prospects all within the span of five hours, uh, including a lot of guys who will be uh, options for the Sabres at 13th. We'll talk to them. We'll find out who talked to Buffalo dur during this week of meetings at the Key Bank Center. Um, and then we'll be writing about it and covering it throughout the month on Sabres.com. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Stay tuned to Sabres.com for Jordan LaBarber's great insight and articles. <laughs> and that's all you need. You just need Sabres.com every day um, and lead yeah. up to the draft in Nashville and read on those prospects and who is a good fit for the Sabres, who did the Sabres talk to. And uh, maybe we get some fireworks at the draft with some trades and all of that, which would be fun. Jordan LaBarber, Sabres.com. Thank you very much again for filling in for Duffer today. We will be right back here on Sabres Live with Darren Dreger, TSN Insider, on his regular appearance on Thursday. We'll see you in a bit. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.